with demand expected to come back. But the question remains, does this mean the economy is back on track? Companies now, after experimenting with offshore and places like India, Philippines, and Poland, want to bring those jobs back. We invest in the U.S. We're the biggest exporter in the country. In the cycle one right now, we're creating jobs. From Radio America, it's Neil Asbury's Made in America. The show that explores American industry, large and small, and promotes American-made products everywhere. Put Neil Asbury's Made in America to work for you. Very big welcome to you today. I'm Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Ruffin. Hey, Rich, we got a really great show today. Uh, a good friend of ours, Secretary of Commerce Bill Johnson. Previously, the port manager of Miami has had a lot of very important roles in Florida. You know, whenever I, I travel up north, and I'm up there quite a bit, I often hear folks in New York City especially say, you know, we're really considering to move to Florida. You know, hey, the weather's great, but that's not why they're coming to Florida. They're coming here because it's a business-friendly state. Well, it's a business-friendly state, and the taxes make sense in the state, and we have a good workforce, and we seem to be doing the right stuff, and we're growing. Yeah, that's a, our that, job roles are growing. That's what people want to know, and they don't, don't seem to have that up in New York. We got David Limbo on. Uh, you know, he comments on many, many different things, but we're going to get his uh, kind of spin on what's happening in this political season. He's also got a new book out, and we have Kathleen Hartnett White, and she is the former Texas chairman and commissioner of the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. I mean, that's their equivalent to the EPA. I mean, mm-hmm. it's a huge organization in Texas. God, I just love Gina McCarthy. <laughs> I love listening to her. So well, I'm sure she's going to have an idea about that. And she's going to wrap up what happened in Paris as well as what the EPA now apparently has broke the law. I mean, one of your favorite agencies. Yeah, well, evidently they did. And they uh, went ahead to the uh, the private media sector and <clears throat> you know, out there trying to convince everybody that they're doing the right thing, and that's they're not allowed to do that. Well, that's going to be an interesting discussion. She's always very feisty. I'm sure she will be today. But first, we have Stephen Moore, chief economist at the Heritage Foundation, economic writer, and formerly on the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal. Stephen, welcome back to Made in America. Hi, thanks for having me. So, um, I read a piece just uh, uh, this week, uh, kind of flashback uh, in November that you wrote about the budget uh, process that we were going through and that there would be uh, eventually a vote. And now that vote has come to pass. And in the House, it seems to have passed with a quite a substantial majority. But in reading your piece, you must not be very happy about this. Well, it was a betrayal. There's no question about it. I mean, if you're a conservative, you you just can't be happy about this. Now, this goes back to when we talked, what was it, four to six weeks ago, when the Republicans, remember when they lifted the, suspended the debt ceiling and uh, got rid of the budget caps and and, uh, and, uh, essentially uh, eviscerated the sequester. Uh, Once they did that, it was just a uh, fiscal jail, jail break, and everybody spent as much money as they possibly could. And this is a this is a fiscal abomination. It is it is a betrayal of all of the various principles that conservatives believe in, whether it's limited government, a balanced budget, the separation of power before, between the three branches of government, because this gives Obama huge amounts of uh, new power. And let me say this, you know, we complain a lot as conservatives about Obama, and rightly so, about Obama, you know, uh, abusing his uh, perch at the White House and acting as if he's the legislative branch. Congress did nothing about that. In fact, they gave him more power to do this, and they basically gave a green light to virtually all of his executive orders. I, I, I'm quite angry, and I think most conservatives are. 
Well, it, it, you're right. It absolutely is a betrayal. I mean, uh, Rush Limbaugh said they should basically shut down the Republican Party. Listen, they didn't even try to slow down or stop any of the programs, as you just explained. I mean, they fully yeah. fund his, his, his executive order for uh, deferred action for childhood. They fund the sanctuary cities. That was a big deal. They fund all the yeah. refugee programs, all the Mideast immigration programs. Yeah. The funds to release the criminal aliens. I mean, it goes on and on. And what didn't well, he get? I'll mention another one. This is a big win. To you that I think is is just really ugly and and uh, and just uh, something that's hard to explain. Which is this also funds the president's crazy climate change deal that is going to shut down our energy, right. energy industry. So now we're going to not only we're going to shut down our energy industry here in America, but we're going to start by sending three billion dollars to other countries. It's just a big bribe payment to these countries. They're not going to shut down their energy, and it says, you know that money isn't going to be used for climate change. It's going to be uh, you know going to the pockets of corrupt foreign governments. Why? why in the world would Republicans? They said they were going to fight against the climate change deal. The first thing they do is fund it. So why? So why would Paul Ryan go along with this? Well, look, I'm friends with Paul Ryan. I think he's going to be a great speaker, but this is not a good start. <laughs> this is not a good start at all. And you know, this was thrown into his lap because remember, uh, John Boehner is the one who who uh, really put this deal together. Um, but. You know, I can't, I can't explain it. I really can't. I mean, I, I, what I don't understand, guys, and, and you can tell I'm angry about this, 150 House Republicans voted for this, 150, almost two out of three House Republicans who said we're for balanced budgets, we're for limited government, we're for taking away power from Obama, voted for a bill that does just the opposite of what they, what they uh, say they stand for. And then they wonder, these men and women who live in this bubble in Washington, then they wonder why it is that Americans are so angry. Why do they want to throw the bums out? Why is Donald Trump rising? It's because of this. It's because of this. Well, exactly. This is going to have repercussions. I mean, they were put into office. They did so well in the last two elections that they they have control and they had control of the purse. I mean, the one thing they had, they could have shut down a program with finance. They abrogated that completely. You're exactly right, and I, I couldn't agree more. And you know, Obama has is a tough puppeteer, and they're the puppets. So, uh, you know, Obama said, "Give me everything I want, or else I'm going to shut down the government." And the Republicans just said, "No, please, President Obama, don't shut down the government. We'll give, uh, do anything you want." They went into a fetal position, and Obama, Obama's, you know, off right now. I think he's getting aborting his plan to go to Hawaii. He, he's going to have quite a party because this is his biggest win as president. So, By the way, this is a president who has an approval rating of 40 percent. I mean, it's not as if he's like some kind of popular, you know, uh, it's not like they're, they're going against FDR or something here. They're going, after, they're going against a president who has almost no approval, and they fold it like a cheap tent in front of him. So, so you just mentioned uh, something about shutting down the government. Are, are the Republicans just so scared that no matter yeah. what, that if they shut the government down, it's just going to be it's disaster. a huge disaster, PR disaster for them. So they will keep the government running at almost any cost. Yes, yes. Yes, yes. And it's so stupid, too, because, you know, first of all, this is, I, I think, you know, a lot of these 150 Republicans who voted for this, I wouldn't want to run for reelection on this vote. You know, I think a lot of them are going to be tossed out of office, and they should be. 
quite frankly. Some of my friends voted for it, but I don't see how anyone in good conscience could vote for a bill like this. Uh, by the way, 90% of the Democrats voted for it because it's a huge win for them. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're happy campers today. Uh, but you just go through the whole thing. I mean, you guys mentioned the fact that it, it funds, uh, you know, the refugee program, it funds the climate change program, it funds the EPA programs, it funds Obamacare. I mean, everything Republicans say that they're against, this provides the funding for by the way, as you guys know, uh, you know, uh, with full funding for taxpayer funding for uh, for Planned Parenthood, they acted as if the scandal didn't even happen. Incredible. So uh, what did the Republicans get? I mean, uh, they the got the oil they export. They, they got the they got the export oil. Is that what they got? Yeah. Well, they got business taxes controlled for a while, evidently. Well, um, look, I'm a big, big advocate of lifting the oil export ban. I mean, I think it's it's just a no-brainer. It's one of these things that every American outside of, uh, you know, Barack Obama and Hillary Clinton is in favor of. So, but why did they have to pay such a high price to get this? I mean, it, by the way, the other big winner of this is the green energy lobby. I mean, the green energy stocks went through the roof. We're, we're basically paying them. We're, we're diverting all these taxpayer dollars right to their pockets and right to the shareholders of these companies. I mean, it's a it's an unbelievable corporate welfare transfer uh, from your my pocket to the people like Elon Musk run these uh, green energy pro- projects, by the way, which would never, ever survive in the free market. The only reason these, the solar energy even exists today is because of all these tax subsidies we throw at them. Well, that's exactly correct. You know, Solar City went flying today, you know, rose 34 percent in the session. I mean, it yep. just and, and as the others are as well, I'm not going to go through all the other numbers, but you're yeah. exactly correct here, which goes back to a discussion of climate change. These industries in the free market and free capitalism would not survive without the numbers that are coming out. So in in a way, it is back to the crony capitalism concept, and we are financing that. Yeah, I mean, look, anybody who thinks that the climate change agenda is about changing the weather, I don't even think liberals believe that government can change the weather. At least I hope they don't, and certainly no conservatives should believe that. This is just a this is a racket. This is just a climate change is an industry now, and boy did they make out like bandits in this in this deal. I mean, they got everything. They they got even bigger tax subsidies than they even thought they were going to get. You know, these tax subsidies to the wind and solar industries. They go back 25, 30 years, and when they first came in, they were temporary subsidies. Um, you know, temporary, it's been 25 years, and we just extended them for another five or six years. What, what does temporary mean? Incredible. Well, unfortunately, uh, Stephen, we're out of time, but uh, this is going to be a battle that, well, I guess for 2016, it's all set. I mean, nothing's going to happen anymore until next year, right? I mean, this is well, the God, next battle. Is be- <laughs> but, I mean, what we have to do, I mean, I think that just to sum up, we have to remember this. We have to remember how these guys, men and women voted on this bill. And if your congressman or woman voted for this, you should ask them why. And you should remember this vote. And if it's not a good explanation, it's, this, is, this is about our, our country's future, our fiscal future, whether we're going to go bankrupt as a nation. Exactly. Hey, Stephen, thanks for being on the show. Okay. Coming up, we have Bill Johnson, Secretary of Commerce of the state of Florida, going to tell us why his state is so attractive for businesses. Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. Hey, Rich, you know, it's always wonderful to have Stephen Moore on. You know, he's a, a very brilliant man. And uh, But, you know, I, 
uh, I'm upset because he's upset. I mean, he's well, really upset about this budget deal. I don't think I've ever heard Steve, and we've had him on quite a few times, this upset about anything. I mean, he's pretty upset and concerned. And he's also, he said, the people who voted for this bill, you know, if they're your, your Senate, their congressmen, they're going. They should go. You should let them know how displeased you are because evidently you don't care about the future of this country. And I mean, he's uh, usually got a, a a really great sense of humor, but today no, there was no humor was today. No, no, there was no, no, no humor no. today. But you know, I'm up in uh, angry the, Christmas. I, I'm I'm up at the Northeast quite a bit, and and you know, people know I come from uh, Florida, and when I'm up there, and you know, I uh, own a, a pretty substantial business here with operations around the country. But when I'm up there talking to whatever it is, um, uh, the, the, trying to raise money or or look at new acquisitions or so forth, I often hear. Uh, how people are really considering to move to Florida, move their businesses Great to Florida. Great And uh, some of these big financial uh, companies or at least, you know, putting or, or, or PR firms or, you know, just different businesses that you associate with New York. A lot of people looking for Florida, you know, to take the flight. Now, we know manufacturing going to places like um, uh, uh, South Carolina and Tennessee, Tennessee. And, and Texas and so forth. But you're looking at some of the more service, high-end service industries looking at Florida. I mean, why is that? But we got the right person to ask that question to. Coming on now, Bill Johnson, Secretary of Commerce of the State of Florida and President and CEO of Enterprise Florida. Bill, welcome to Made in America. Hey, thank you, Neil. Good to be with you, gentlemen. So it, it, it is absolutely true. You know, I do a lot of traveling around the country, especially to the Northeast, and a lot of people looking to Florida to relocate their businesses. So Florida has definitely made itself known as a friendly place to do business. So, so why is that? I mean, what's happening in Florida? What have you figured out as a Secretary of Commerce in the state of Florida that, that some of these others uh, up north, and especially the Northeast, haven't been yet to figure out? Well, it's great leadership. Uh, we're blessed here in the state of Florida that we have a governor, in Rick Scott, and, uh, who is pro-business, as well as a Florida legislature that understands what it takes to allow a business to first start up and then to grow and to succeed. So that really is providing the right business environment. And certainly Florida, which leads the United States, out of all 50 states, more jobs have been created in the last nine, ten months in this state than any state. And the reason is, again, it's a, it is a business-friendly state. Well, you know, also a poll came out this week uh, for the month of November, and uh, the state of Florida is, like, right up on top of that poll for job creation. So yeah, we're Florida, doing the right thing. I mean, we're growing. You, you look yeah, around, you can see the success of the state. Yeah, Florida leads the way. Uh, since Rick Scott's been governor, it's almost now he's in his second term. Uh, he's about to finish his uh, fifth year as governor of the great state of Florida, and he's right at the one million mark. That's one million new private sector jobs in five years as governor. So, again, uh, it's the right environment, and it's, it's what really it takes to bring a business to Florida we got a, obviously a number of incredible advantages. This is the right state from a from a from a business tax perspective. We rank one of the best states in the nation in terms of best value, in terms of overall business tax and all taxes. And of course, on top of that, of course, Florida has no personal income tax. I mean, come on, what's better than that? Mm-hmm. And of course, Florida just ranked this week. We are considered the number one place in the United States to live. So Florida is incredibly hot. It, I like to say Florida's on fire. And that's not just in South Florida. That's in Tampa and Naples. That's in Orlando, the great northwest up in Panama, and uh, in that beautiful part of our state, in Jacksonville. The entire state of Florida, our space coast, the entire part of Florida, and all of our industries. 
When you look at it in terms so are of you looking, manufacturing, we're there. So, so, so Bill, what, what are some of the uh, new areas of, of, of business or manufacturing that, that you're specifically going after right now? Uh, again, it's, it's, it's across the board. I mean, we work in about nine, ten different areas specifically. When you look at Florida in terms of a financial center, where we're one of the two leading financial banking centers of the United States, no one thinks of Florida in terms of banking. Just look at Jacksonville and Deutsche Bank. Look in terms of all the stuff that's going on in our universities and, ter- and with our private companies in terms of research, the amount of the number of patents that are issued, the incredible progress Florida's made over the last 15, 20 years in terms of our higher education. In terms of our public education, you have a choice in Florida between public and private schools. You've got a state which really understand what it takes to be able to come to establish your business and to grow your business. Over the last four years, our, with recommendations from our governor, our Florida legislature has cut over 3,400 needless regulations. The attitude of Governor Scott and our legislature is we want government to be supportive of your business to help your business succeed. We don't want to be a burden on your business. Record investment in this state, record investment. We invest more in infrastructure, in our roads, in our airports, 19 commercial airports, 15 seaports. It's the best infrastructure in the nation, and we invest as a state more than any state in the United States. $10 billion last year, over $10 billion this year. The ability to move our people and our goods safely, efficiently. We protect our environment. The record investment in education, again, extremely important, especially in STEM. It is the coming together in partnerships. And what we at Enterprise Florida do, we work on behalf of the state first to get the right message out. Sure, Florida is a great place for a vacation. And this year we're blessed over 100 million guests from around the world will come to Florida. That's an astronomical number. And that, of course, helps generate the financial underpinning of our state. Florida's hot. Florida's on fire all over the state. Well, hey, Bill, thanks for that, man. And God bless Florida. And Governor Scott, you guys are doing a great job. Hey, thank you. Uh, to everyone, great holidays. Come see us in Florida. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Coming up, we have David Limbo, political commentator and author. Going to have a fascinating discussion about his book and other topics. Made in America. Sharply higher at the open, stocks continued to perform well over the course of the day Tuesday. And I think that bodes well here over the next couple of years for having bigger demands coming to this country. Now, more of Neil Asbury's Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Ruffin. Well, Rich, it was nice to have Bill Johnson, Secretary of Commerce for the state of Florida. And, and just after our next guest, we're going to have... Kathleen Hartnett-White, who is the director or the former director of what would be the EPA of Texas. Mm-hmm. So you hear you got Texas and Florida, uh, two states that are really doing well economically, and two states that have you know regulation and taxes and all the kind of things that, right. that we talk to right. on a national level. These right. two states are doing, and they're doing well. Right, in, in spite of the rest. <laughs> in spite of the rest. <laughs> So maybe we should learn from Texas and Florida on oh, some of us. these economic issues. Right. Uh, two great this states. But next we have David uh, uh, Limbaugh, who is a political commentator and author. He does a lot of writing in uh, uh, townhall.com, something that we read a lot. And he's also uh, the author. His latest book is uh, the uh, Emmaus Code, Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. David, welcome to Made in America. 
Thank you. How are you guys doing? Excellent, excellent. Um, before we get to your book, there's a piece here on townhall.com, and uh, it really caught my attention because it really is relevant with what's going on in the political process on the Republican Party. And it said the title was Establishment Republicans Must Be Careful Not to Go Too Far. And in this, uh, you, you, you seem to support conservative candidates, but you're saying, hey, look, if an established, establishment candidate uh, wins the primary process, you'll be very happy to support them. You know, so what kind of attrition is happening right now in the Republican Party? And can this get mended in time for the general election? I think it can be mended, but I think the establishment side of the Republican Party is the reason we have the rise of Donald Trump. Uh, We have so much discontent on our side, and the establishment is incredulous that Donald Trump has risen, despite the fact that he's not across-the-board conservative and has been liberal in the past. What they don't understand is they have created him because they refuse to fight Obama. They always surrender before uh, they even try to fight him on budget battles, scared of their own shadows, afraid they can't win the PR war with the public. And I, I wonder, is there any uh, anything Obama could do that would cause them to, to recalculate and believe they could beat him in a PR battle? This, this budget that Paul Ryan has surrendered to is so outrageous that it's going to make Trump uh, Trump's numbers go even higher, and the establishment sits around shaking its head, always looking for the next election. Well, the trouble is the next election is going to bite them in the face if they don't realize uh, it, before too long what's going on. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, this, the people are outraged. They're horrified. We're, we're under siege in this country. We're being assaulted. Our values are being assaulted. Our national security is being assaulted. Our economy is perpetually anemic. We've got a president of the United States who's anti-American, he, who uh, rejects the American idea, <clears throat> and uh, we have Republicans who don't have the courage of their own convictions to fight him. And that's why Donald Trump is doing so well. And I'm saying, if you, if you establishment guys are so outraged at Trump supporters not realizing that you're the ones who caused him to rise, then at least support a true conservative Ted Cruz. And, but no, they're, they're behind Marco Rubio, who's fine in certain ways, but he's not nearly as conservative as Ted Cruz. But the establishment hates Cruz just as much as they hate Trump. So we're seeing the same recurring issues that we've seen since the Rockefeller Republicans uh, fought Goldwater and, and all the way through. And so, so it's the same moderate uh, Republicans against true Reagan conservatives, the same battles we're fighting over and over and over. And I'm just saying it is time we need a Reagan conservative now because it's not enough to staunch the flow, to stop the damage. We have to reverse this destructive agenda. And But having said all that, no matter who wins the Republican primary, we have to pledge uh, to support the victor if we intend to beat Hillary Clinton. And I'm saying, while I would far prefer Ted Cruz, if Marco Rubio ends up getting the nomination, or even if Donald Trump does, we have to support those guys uh, over Hillary Clinton. And I don't know if the establishment people will make that reciprocal pledge. So I'm putting my money where my mouth is. I will support them. Uh, I will support a person, even if I'm not for him, and I also will try not to be uh, to to unleash my vitriol at establishment opponents. I want to spare that for Democrats and liberals who are destroying this country. We need to stay together as Republicans. 
David, we got about 30 seconds left, but can you tell us just a little bit, 30-second uh, overview of your book, The Emmaus Code, Finding Jesus in the Old Testament? It's a book that's an introduction to the Old Testament. It is uh, emphasizing the Christ-centeredness of the Old Testament. Christ is on every page of the Old Testament. Jesus himself told us in chapter 24 of the Gospel of Luke, it is a great Christmas present if you want to jumpstart, if you're intimidated by the Old Testament, if you don't understand how fascinating and, and essential it is to your understanding of the New Testament and the Gospel. It's foundational, and I take you through all the different themes and threads that point to Christ from the Old Testament into the New Testament and how they're fulfilled and perfected in Jesus. I guarantee you, biblical scholar or layperson, and I don't say this boastfully, you will benefit from this study that I've provided in this book. This is the book that I wish that I had had when I first became a Christian 20 to 25 years ago to get a jump start and a better understanding of what the Old Testament's all about. And what it's all about is Jesus Christ and our life through faith in Him. Well, David, thanks for coming on the show. David Limbaugh, who is uh, the author of The Eminence Code, Finding Jesus in the Old Testament. Thanks for coming on the show. How, how, how is that for being selfless, giving you like seven minutes of politics and half a second for my book? See how good a guy I am? Now you've got to buy the book. But you know, David, you know what that's really important? We have lost our way. This administration has removed everything that you're talking about, has taken it out of mainstream concept of what America is all about. So this book right now is absolutely timely, and people should get out there and read it. Thank you very much. Appreciate you guys having me on. Thanks, David. Coming up, we have Kathleen Hartnett-White, who is the former chairman and commissioner of the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality. Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. Rich, uh, uh, David Limbaugh is a very, very uh, high-energy guy. You know, he's a fascinating guy. First time we had him on the show. We've read his pieces a lot, but, uh, boy, does, uh, you know, he, he makes a lot of sense. Well, he's very prolific, and, and he's, he's out there. He's well-received. Uh, he's a true conservative, and uh, he has a good message to get out there. It resonates. It really does. You know, I, you know we'll, have to, we'll have to get him back on the the, the, the show, I, I, it definitely runs in the family between him and his brother Rush. Well, I got to tell you, between you know David and Stephen Moore, the first guest we had on the show, this is a very high energy show. A lot of people are upset today, Neil. You and pick let, up on that? And as far as energy, let's not uh, forget Bill Johnson, the Secretary of Commerce for Florida. Boy, he was really out there promoting his state. You can see how Florida is recruiting a, a lot of great companies, as is the state of Texas. Here's a good and segue And that's a for great you. segue to our next guest, <laughs> Kathleen Hartnett-White, who's the former chairman and commissioner of the Texas Commission on Environmental Quality, which is their version of the EPA. And it's uh, great to have Kathleen back on the show to talk about what just happened in Paris. Kathleen, welcome to Made in America. I'm I'm glad to be here, and I can't resist saying, since you mentioned Steve Moore, that in a, in about six weeks, I hope you all will have us back to talk about the book that Steve and I have co-authored called Fueling Freedom. So I couldn't I couldn't resist a pitch. But back to Paris. 
Um, well, well, fascinating. No, that's good. Count on that. We well, love Steve. Steve's that's, been on the show great. six or seven times. We love well, Steve. Wow, and, and and Kathleen as well. So, and, K- Kathleen, you know, when I read about the, the the Paris Climate Conference, and I read, you know, especially in real clear politics, I like that because you could read both the liberal view and the conservative view. But it's as if there's like two different conferences took place. I mean, it was like they're not talking about the same thing. I mean, you know, they're really not talking about the same thing. So what really did happen over there? Well, I'll give you I'll give you my um, version of it. And it it doesn't surprise me that the other side, it seems as if they're in a parallel universe on the matter of climate change. Since uh, um, Copenhagen, the last major global U.N. confab on climate, there was a time when people were telling us that we had had months before the, we would reach a tipping point and we would, you know, somehow the whole um, biosphere would, um, you know, dismember itself. And this urgency, urgency, got it now. We, regardless of the cost, we have to save the planet. And five years later, we've got an agreement that nothing is binding, even if you add up the pledges that individual countries made to what carbon cuts they would take on, um, it doesn't anywhere get near um, to what is it packed into the science is the amount of reduction that's necessary to prevent warming from reaching a certain point. Even Secretary John Kerry uh, said that this is futile. This is futile. This is, but it's the best we can do. It's establishing a path. Um, on, so on that, on the carbon cuts and the urgency and uh, the so-called binding uh, universal agreement, it's, it certainly isn't. Um, and then on the money side, what, what was considered the big breakthrough um, for this time, that somehow all the nations of the world, the rich Western nations and the poor nations, would all agree to make um, carbon cuts. Um, the developing countries... Um, decided that, well, they'd think about doing that if, if they would receive lots and lots of money, $100 billion annually was the figure arrived at. And in that climate, nine years ago, five years ago, and in that fund right now, there's like $110 million or something. But our president, evidently, in this massive budget um, bill, there is $500 million for climate aid, they call it, um, but that's still not, nothing for what the um, the developing countries said. And, and many of the developing countries in their written pledges to cut carbon uh, qualify it by they're saying, sure, we'll cut carbon if unless it in any ways in affects our economic development and the need to electrify our country. And that would be in India and China. Um, this is a figure I see all over the place. Um, between now and 2030, intend to build um, two over 2,000 coal-fired power plants. So it's just a bizarre agreement. But to me, this is the clincher. For the last several years, when Obama's been focusing more and more on climate change and directing his EPA to um, promulgate regulations for direct reduction of C and two, not just energy efficiency and things like that. Um, he has said that the purpose of those rules is to sh- show the world, uh, a symbol to the world, um, that um, we are willing to suffer, and this will leverage um, the president's leadership on the issue. And sure enough, when he was, I believe, Sunday evening, maybe it was Saturday evening last week, right after the agreement was announced, this is almost a quote, that um, he led the world 
to the first universal agreement to save the planet, which is a nice little sentence I think he envisioned in um, one of the many histories that will be written about his presidency. But its symbolic value <laughs> to the climate alarmists, um, and I think there is recognition that it's, it's a very hollow agreement. It startled, startled me the extent to which how how hollow it was. And the, the the pledges are not in any way enforceable or binding, um, but it is a symbol, and I think a kind of dangerous one because it does set up a global architecture that um, um, you know that and, and and lift this issue up to something where the UN can claim universal agreement, and they'll probably create. Things like we have the Security Council of the of the UN, they'll have some Climate Council. Yet there's nothing um, in UN authority or in this agreement um, that involves some kind of global governance. Well, well, Kathleen, uh, thanks for that update. And you know, you've been on with us before and tackled these tough issues. But as you say, it's a pretty hollow agreement. And let's hope we have a president uh, uh, in 2016 that is, is going to just ignore whatever happened over there, because they certainly can, because nothing is binding, as you said. But unfortunately, we're out of time, and we're going to have to go on to the next guest. But thanks for being on the show, Kathleen. Thank you very much for having me. Have a great weekend. Coming up, we have Dr. Rothman is going to give his report on the rise of cronyism in America. Made in America. Welcome to Made in America. I'm your host, Neil Asbury, together with co-host Dr. Rich Rothman. Rich, well, I mean, this segue into cronyism this week is incredible. I mean, we heard from Stephen Moore about this uh, budget that was just passed the House and how that's going to be so full of cronyism. You know, we heard from uh, David Limbaugh, who uh, obviously was no fan of this budget, and it's a betrayal of conservative uh, principles, and whoever voted for this should uh, be kicked out of uh, of congress i mean and and then you look at where this money is going to go and we've heard from kathleen uh, uh told us about uh what happened in paris at the at the climate uh, conference about you know all of this money that's going and being spent and so forth to try to you know bribe essentially bribe whether it's a government or or provide money for your political supporters and ways of subsidies for green energy and so forth I mean, there's just well, you know, the, the, money some, some and of these money cities, and more money. Some of these cities are. I was paying attention to that. We're supposed to get money, are going to get money to help them protect their shorelines and the cities that will be underwater so as that, a result of the rising seas, and they've risen less than an inch in a hundred years. So, and, and then here's another thing that's at fault. They're saying that when the when the polar ice melts, which by the way, it's the reversal. By the way, it's been growing faster and thicker than ever before. That that water will then join the rest of the oceans. It will raise, except for one problem: the oceans have already accommodated for the weight of that frozen ice because it already displaces that water. So it's not going to change anything to a great degree. And that's been the flaw in the discussion that came out this week as well. So I, I just find it astounding that this is merely a, a, a money and power grab. But, you know, I mean, you're you're a conspiracy guy. Always. <laughs> Always. Don't you think Trust that no this whole thing is to create industries, faux industries, faux industries, to where your cronies can live 
and you can, you know, create these the, these these problems, you know, these these sort of disasters. In in this case, environmental disasters that funnels all this money into like this wealth transfer, you know, from the government to the cronies back to the political elite that that you know are the the ringmasters. Well, in a, in a way, you're right, and and that's exactly what we were talking about earlier with Stephen Moore. And that is that you have folks like Elon Musk, and I'm going to get to him in a second as we relate to this, Neil. Elon Musk, his company is surviving dramatically, and everyone said he's a darling of you know of Wall Street right now because we have public subsidies. If you took away the public subsidies for electric cars in the United States, they would not survive. Again, you're picking and choosing winners and losers. It's not free market capitalism. However, now that's that you called said, cronyism. Yeah, that's, that's called that's cronyism. That's the definition of cronyism. You're picking the winners and losers. And by the way, it's the taxpayers that underwrite that. All the folks out there listening. So Elon Musk this week has said it's sort of like the movie Total Recall. Get you to Mars. Get to Mars. Get yourself to Mars. That's what Arnold Schwarzenegger is told by somebody in the movie Total Recall. He says that since this planet is just going to go to pot. It's going to dis- be destroyed because of weather and the climate and the environment. And he's the rich have to leave this planet, and it will be the top one. Per- I, this is out there right now. You can research it. Look up Elon Musk Mars on Google right now. And you're going to see that he's saying that 1%, we're going to go to Mars, and he is going to start funding through his company missions and research and R&D so he can get himself to Mars when it really hits the fan on the planet Earth. So, I mean, you, you say that he's going to spend his money. He, in other words, he'll be spending your money and That's my right. money. That's right. That's exactly correct, because he gets all these tax breaks. Or subsidies, even worse. I mean, yeah. it's just like taking it out of the pocket and putting it in his pocket. It's really it's really stupid. Let, let, let me tell you one other thing. You, you, you talk about a conspiracy. This thing, the, the, the Paris Agreement and the meeting out there, and it is a conspiracy the way you just described in terms of, of, of capital cronyism, you know, uh, political cronyism. But it really is, I think, more insidious than that. It is the, the embarkation towards a one-world order, which is something that George Soros and the, and the progressives have been fighting for almost going back to the early 1900s. This is no joke. That the concept that the U.N. or a body other than the United States could have control over a segment of an economy or, for that matter, an entire economy. Because you start messing with energy, you're messing with all facets of an economy. Remember, they're attacking fossil fuels. First thing that came out all over the Internet, fossil fuels under attack, you know, potents of things to come. Keep an eye on that because that's an, that's an area that, that people have been fighting for for a long time. And, and energy and climate change is the spearhead, the tip of the spear of, of that progressive movement. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. We hope you will join us again next week for another adventure of Made in America, where we never stop fighting for your jobs. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. 
Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.